Have you ever wondered what happened to Lance Von Erich? Find out in his book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. You'll also read stories about Chris Adams, Ric Flair, June Hernandez, and Billy Jack Haynes. And of course, the Von Erich family themselves. Get your copy today at LanceByChance.com. You're listening to the Russellville Podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Berry, and today's guest is Mario Mancini. Mario, how are you doing today? Good, Vinny. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm so glad to have you on my show. It's it's good to have you here. Thank you for coming on. I'm happy to be here. I'm very familiar with your career. I was watching wrestling uh, during uh, the time that you wrestled, and that was probably when I consumed uh, – wrestling on a on a regular basis uh, talk a little bit about your wrestling career for for those that may not be familiar with your with your name or someone who uh is tuning in for the first time well i'm mario mancini i'm a former wwe wrestler that which really isn't true i'm a former wwf wrestler from 1984 to 1992 i graduated high school on june 20th 1984 and the next day on June 21st, I turned 18 years old. And then 40 days later, on July 31st, I turned pro in the Poughkeepsie Mid-Hudson Civic Center against Greg the Hammer Valentine. And at the time, I was the youngest contracted professional wrestler in the WWF. How, how did you get involved in, in wrestling? In, in the summer of 1980, I was watching wrestling, and there was an empty arena and sat Vince McMahon and Bruno San Martino. And Vince looked at Bruno and said, Bruno, do you have something to tell um, the fans out there? And he said, yeah, I'm retiring. And that just threw me for a loop because while everybody was, um, you know, idolizing Johnny Bench and Carl Yastrzemski and Reggie Jackson and, and, you know, um, the Dallas Cowboys and I was, I was idolizing Bruno San Martino um, since 1973 um, when I was seven years old. So he was everything to me. And when he said that, you know, I'm the last of six kids, my two brothers, my two sisters, my other sister was married by that time, and my mother and father were in the living room. And I said, I am going to be a professional wrestler for the WWF. Because that's what it was in 1980, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. And I said, I'm going to be a pro wrestler. And, um, you know, my, my family looked at me, except for one person, my brother Ralph, who really believed me. Um, because he's the one that introduced me to Bruno. And I said, I'm, I'm going to be a pro wrestler. And they were like, okay, you're crazy. And, um, you know, I went to a match two years later. You know, when I was 16 and I was there with my mother and father and this referee went to go get into the ring and my father stood up and said, hey, Tony, Tony. And he looked, he said, hey, Ralph, how are you? How are you? I go, you know, the guy he goes, yeah, that's Tony Altamar. He's a Stanford Stomper. He goes, they, they, we went to grammar school. With him. So I went back to a few New Havens and he rejected me at first. And then I started following him around to other places, uh, being very, um, you know, tenacious about it. And he finally said, listen, I'm opening up a wrestling school in October of 83 in Orange, Connecticut. Be there the first Saturday of that, in October at 9 o'clock. And I was there. And um, 
you know, I couldn't afford it, but my brother Bob, you know, he, he's the, he's the, he gave birth to Mario Mancini because I wouldn't have went to that wrestling school for another year because I needed to work and save the money to join. But he, he plopped down that money and said, live your dream, kid. So I owe that to my brother and I always will. And, um, because he's 12 years older than I am. So, um, you know, I joined in October of 83 and I was ripe for the picking by July of 84. And, um, I started July 31st, 84 against Greg Valentine. Yeah. Wow. What was, what was Greg, Greg Valentine like to, to wrestle with and to work with? Um, it, it, it was, <laughs> well, he asked me how many matches I've had, and I said, this is my first professional match. So, but Tony Altamar at that time was, for the WWF, was in the gorilla position before Gorilla took it. And um, he reassured Valentine that, that I was more than talented enough to, to do what I needed to do out there. And Valentine just gave a nod. And we were out there, and we were fine. He wasn't stiff at all. Um, you know what I mean? I, I sold the bejesus out of everything and, uh, you know, um, it, it, you know, forget my leg breaking on the figure four. It looked like somebody would just, was just pulling it off my body. That's how much I was selling it. So, um, that went well. And then my second professional match was August, August 9th, 1984 at the West Warwick Music Theater in uh, Rhode Island and David Schultz broke my nose in two places. Was, was was he a stiff wrestler or was was that a net? How how did that how did that happen? Things were going well with the house show, and things were going well, and um, it, you know it was time for my comeback, and I threw a right, and for some reason he put his left forearm up. When he put his left forearm up, my my hand kicked off his forearm, and I hit him in the face, and he met me with a straight right. There you go. That explains that. How how was he to uh, to work with other than that night? Did you work with him again? Schultz? Yeah. Yeah, they put me three weeks later after I took the packing out of my nose myself because I had to reset it. They put me in with them in, in Hamilton, Ontario for TV. And I know that was a test to see if I was going to unlace my boots and say there's no way or start shaking in the corner. And I had just decided to go up to him and said, you can break it again. I really don't care. I'll just get it reset again and come back. And he goes, no, no, boy, no, no, that's not going to happen. And he told me he was going to apologize to me in front of um, national TV. And um, sure enough, I got in the ring and the bell rang. And he came up, he put his arms out, and he put his right hand out. And he said, boy. I'm sorry for breaking your nose. And I shook his hand, and he slapped me clear across the face. And when I look at it now, it's, I laugh my ass off. I do when I look at it now. It's funny. Um, but David Schultz has become a brother of mine. And um, I love David Schultz very much. And, and I hope he's doing well. We, we talk every now and then. Um, maybe once a month, definitely the holidays. Um once a month, he'll tap in on a text. How you doing? You know, brother, hope you're doing well. You too, David. You know, and um, you know, he's he's a very important part of of my history. It, as is Greg Valentine. 
you know, anytime I'm with Valentine, I'm sitting right next to him. He goes, if people are there that never heard the story, he goes, tell the story. Go ahead. Because when I went up to Valentine, my first match, I said, do I get a comeback? And he said, yeah, absolutely. I said, great. What can I do? He said, after you submit to the figure four, get off the canvas and come back to the dressing room. And he loves that story because that's what he said to me. Um, and he just starts, he gets a big belly laugh every time I tell a story. It never gets old. So I'm, if I sit next to him at a, a autograph signing or, or anywhere at a Hall of Fame or anything, I'll go, tell a story, tell a story. You know? <laughs> was there, at that time, was there a wrestler that um, you didn't particularly like to wrestle? Oh, well, I, there were times when I looked up at the board and I saw who I was working with. And I went, damn it. You know what I mean? I, I didn't like that. Um, you know, I, I didn't like working with Beefcake. Um, I didn't like working with Savage. Savage was, you know, um, he was stiff. I didn't have a problem with that um, during the match. But he'd always overshoot me on that elbow and be hitting me in the sternum. And, and, and it got to the point where the last time I worked with him, might have been in 90 or 91, I actually looked him in the face and said, do you mind hitting me with that tricep? And this is like the sixth time we're going to work together. Do you mind hitting me with the tricep? I see you hit Hogan with the tricep. Why do you have to hit me with your, your torso? Please. Oh, brother, what are you talking about? I'm like, listen, please. I, I started getting getting uppity in the end, you know, even as close I was to DiBiase, and I'm very close to DiBiase. Uh, I wrestled him the most on TV uh, to the point where he looked at Pat Patterson and said, people are going to think they're repeats. Um, and Pat said, no, they won't. And, and I held my breath, and Ted said, why don't we just run an angle? And I went, oh, my God. To myself, I went, oh, my God. But Pat didn't entertain it, of course. And... Um, I'll always love Ted for that, for trying. Um, so, you know, when he wake me up uh, out of that sleeper, you know, he, he'd give me a pretty good slap on the back, and, and I'd have my eyes closed going, what the hell? You know, and I even told him, I go, a little easier on the snack, Ted, you know? Um You know, I would tell Beefcake if I, if I, if I hear those shears, Coming close to my head, the front of my head, I will wake up out of that sleeper. They'll have to cut the tape. You cut the back of my hair and you cut it even. You know, um, you know. At that point, I was around five, six years. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't a rookie anymore. I wasn't green anymore. And um, you know, these poor kids were coming in. I, I say kids. I was only twenty-four, but these poor guys were coming in getting getting H-bombed, getting their hair shaved in the dressing room, uh, you know, uh, half of their mustaches shaved, and they were getting ribbed, and, you know, people dumping in their bags, and, you know, it was it was really bad. I never got ribbed like that. My ribbings were, my, my hazing was in the ring. Um, Battle Royals, where they line up, like, the soup line and, and just chop the living daylights out of me until my chest opened up. Um, started bleeding from the welts. You know, um, yeah, all the hazing I took was old school in the ring. I, I, I very rarely that I take an, an outside rib. Um, it, it, it did happen, but it was very seldom. My, my, 
my initiation was always inside the ring. Did it did it ever stop though? I mean, because you know, it's kind of like, how long is it gonna last? You know. Well, yeah, you know, it stopped. And some guys, some guys helped me um, send a message. You know, um, Wayne Ferris was in the dressing room one night, and it, it, he just freshly tore his pec, and he literally tore it off the bone. And they're like, you got to go out there. You can't not do a TV. You got to go out there. He goes, I can't. I can't work, and I'm not going to work. I can't do that. You got to, you got to, you got to create something. I go out there on a Piper's pit or, a, a, you know, Jake's thing or whatever. He goes, I, I can't work. And and Pat's like, you got to work. You got to work. And he looked to the right, and I didn't know he was looking at me. I was talking to somebody else, and he actually said to Pat, he said. I'll go out there if you put me with Mancini. You put me with Mancini. I know, I know he'll take care of my pack. And um, he said, okay. And then I looked up at the board and I said, you okay? He goes, I'll only go out there with you. I won't go out there with anybody else. No offense to any of these boys. I'm sure they're good, but I've worked with you before and we're friends and I, I got to get over and I, I know you'll get me over. And that, that was the match where Vince commented, it used to be on YouTube. I think it disappeared. I don't know if it's still there. But Vince had commented, made a comment after showing the replay going, ooh, wow. So what he did was he, he was choking me over the top rope. And I made a decision right there. Um, I said, listen, I feel so bad for him because I can hear him grunting. He's hurting. And when he did the slingshot off the, top, off the rope, for me to take a bump, I went from that side of the ring to the other. When he jerked me off from choking me, I just flew to the other side of the ring to get him over. And Vince loved that. He was like, oh, wow. You know what I mean? And when he got me in a shake, rattle, and roll, um, the reason why he wanted to go with me is because you know, if you get a guy out there and he's nervous or he's not worked there long or he's got something against Wayne and Wayne doesn't know it, you know, that shake, rattle, and roll, you're going to roll to the left. So if the guy, if you roll, if this was Wayne's concern. If he rolled to the left and the guy went right, he's going to tear his pack more. So, you know, when he just, started an eighth of an inch to the left, I was already gone. I was already in, in motion. <laughs> and that's what he was looking for. So he really didn't have to twist his body too much. I was already in motion for him. And um, we got back there and said, you know, you okay? Um, and he's like, yeah, it was perfect. It was great. And, you know, Pat came over and thanked me and Chief came over and thanked me. And he said, that, that, thank you. Um, we, you know, we really had to get them over. I said, that's what I'm here for, you know? <laughs> so, you know, um, and, and Wayne too, I, I, you know, I got pictures on my Facebook with me next to Wayne and, and Valentine and, you know, I stick to my people when I go to, uh, these wrestling conventions, I, I stick to my own. So, um, although I enjoyed meeting, uh, Matt Stryker, um, at one of these things who thanked me for paving the way. He called me a carpenter. 
Well, you had mentioned Kim Patera a little bit ago. Uh, what was what was Kim Patera like? And you know, he was a power lifter and he was a strong dude. He was at one time strongest man of the world. What was he like? There were guys. Ninety percent of the guys made me feel that there were no difference between us. Guys like Tony Garea and Tony Atlas and Tito Santana and you know. Uh, Hercules and DiBiase and Kurt Henning and Jake Roberts and you, you know there's so many guys that that would look me in the eye on the same level and have the same respect you know what I mean and then there were 10% of the guys that were like I'm over and you're not you're a jobber I don't want to know your name and you know God bless him that was Ken Patera so <laughs> I walked into the Harvard Civic Center into the bathroom and Ken Patera was there and I was 18 years old, and I said, Mr. Patera, I would really love to talk to you about diet and exercise. You know, I, I, I lifting weights, I, I really, I would really like to, to get your advice. And he was fixing his hair in the mirror, and he goes, I'll give you advice right now. I said, That's, thank you so much. And he said, people are fat because they eat too much. People are thin because they don't. And he walked out. Um, so that was Ken Patera. That was a battle a steel cage battle royal elimination match. So there were 22 guys. The first two guys started out. Whoever walked out of the cage first won that and would face a new opponent. I was just one of the new opponents um, that Patera faced. I was in there probably for all of a minute. So, um, yeah, Patera wasn't – Patera had his own people, his own friends his friends from other territories that came over here and he stuck with those friends and kind of kept to himself. And uh, we, you know, I, the, the time I was in the dressing room with Ken Patera, I never saw him bust the gut or anything, but um, you know, I have no ill feelings toward him. I, I, I did some work with him recently. Um, and now that, he, that he's older, he's a lot sweeter. He's a lot nicer. And um, God bless Ken Patera. He's a, he's a good guy. Yeah, that's always good to hear. That's always good to hear. Um, talk to us a little bit about King Kong Bundy. I'm familiar with him because I grew up watching World Class Championship Wrestling, and he's he's got to be one of my 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 favorite big men wrestlers. It, talk to us a little bit about him and your interactions with him. He was one of the funniest guys I ever encountered in the dressing room in March of 1985. I walked into Poughkeepsie and I looked up the board that said Bundy v. Mancini. And I looked at Chief and I said, who's Bundy? You know, and he pointed over to Chris. I said, my God, he's enormous. So I walked over to drop my bag and I walked over to him. And I said, Mario Mancini, how are you? And he had canvas shoes on, sneakers, blue jeans, and a Fruit of the Loom t-shirt. And he was biting his thumbnail. And he said, Chris, nice to meet you. I said, um, we're working together tonight. He said, you're a little nervous? He said, well, I had your job when I was here, last time I was here. He goes, I was a jobber. He goes, I went away and shaved my head and got a gimmick. I said, God bless you. Good for you. That's, that's all of our dreams, right? And he was still biting his thumbnail. And I said, listen, Chris, listen to me. Strongbow walked up at that point, and he put his hand on my shoulder. He goes, Chris, 
there's a reason why we put you with Mancini. He's one of the best we have here. So you're going to be fine. And he said, okay. And I said, Chris, listen to me. Think of the grand finale at a fireworks show. I said, that's how I'm going to sell for you. You don't have to kill me. You don't have to kill me. I'm going to sell like wildfire for you. You don't have to kill me. Because as I was looking at him, I said to myself, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to live through this match. I don't know. So, you know, I called the beginning stuff. I said, just push off, you know, and I'll, I'll go like you rattled my cage. I'm going to go to grab your, your leg and just raise your leg and I'll go flying. I said, at that point, just do your thing and then we'll go into the avalanche. And we did that. And he, at one point he had, he had, um, he bet me over the top rope to give me a forearm. And I said, man, I hope this is good. And he just caved in my chest and I went, oh. Hurt, that hurt. Oh my God, did that hurt? Then he gave me a chop, and I went, Oh God! So I'm selling it. I'm saying to myself, Oh my God! And um, you know, he gave me that avalanche, and it was over. And we went back, and he's like, Thanks a lot. Everything okay? I said everything was great. So, <laughs> so as his five finger fingers were on my chest, I'm like, Everything was great. In fact, that night, you know, I had, a, I had an Italian mother, you know, and, um, you know, she was very excited when I turned pro because my real name is, like, butchered, so butchered, it, it, and it's it's aggravated me my whole life. Nobody can even pronounce my last name most of the time. So my mother's maiden name was Mancini before she married my father. So Tony Altamar just stuck Mario in front of it. So I told her I was taking her maiden name as a wrestling name. She got very excited. Um, so, you know, it's like 2.30 in the morning, and I'm like, Mom, you can't wait up for me like this. You got to go to bed. She goes, no, no, I got to make sure you get home, because I was the last of six kids. I was the baby, right? So I was, uh, you know, I had my shirt off. I had taken my shirt off, uh, and, and uh, you know, I had put a pair of shorts on. And she, she, while she was still sitting in the living room, I put the kitchen light on, and I grabbed, I grabbed, um, you know, a Diet Coke, and I, I was pouring it into a glass, and I had my back toward her. And I was talking to her. She goes, why don't you turn around and look at me? And I turned around, and there's Chris's five-finger marks on my and she goes, oh, my God, who did you wrestle? I said, King Kong Bundy, don't worry about it. So, um, then I worked with him in a tag match when he, he tagged with John Studd. Uh, and then came WrestleMania three, And um, they had Bundy versus somebody up on the board, and he looked up at the board. And he looked at me, and he goes, hey, Mancini. I go, what, Chris? He goes, um, do you want to do a stretcher for me? I go, I would love to do a stretcher for you. And he looked at Chief, and he goes, you think that can happen? He goes, yeah, I'll, I'll wipe the guy out and put Mancini there. So he, and so um, he said, this is it, Mario. This is it. I said, what do you mean, this is it? He goes, I'm done. I go, you're not done. Shut up. You're not done. He goes, Mario, listen to me. 
what was the main event at WrestleMania last year? I go, you and Hogan in the cage. He goes, what's the main event? What am I in this year? I go, you're tagging with them, uh, uh, against Hillbilly Jim. And, uh, he goes, yeah, it's over. It's over. I said, Chris, don't say that, man. I'll miss the daylights out of you. Don't, don't say that, you know? And, um, so we went out there. Before we went out there, we were at the top of the stairs, and I said, you know, Chris, I've been wanting to tell you this. He goes, what? I go, that back bump off your avalanche, it sucks. It's terrible. should have never been done. He goes, well, what do you want to do? I go, I'm going to face bump right from the corner. He was like, Flair? I go, yeah. I'm going to face bump right from the corner. Timber. He goes, okay. I said, you just take your, the toe of your boot there and flip my body over. He goes, okay. So we went out there. He gave me the avalanche. That's on YouTube. It's treasure, man. He gave me the avalanche, and I did a perfect face bump right from the corner. And uh, he gave me two splashes, and, um, you know, the stretcher came out, and he took the mic, and he goes, that's what what's going to happen if any ninja gets in my way, you know what I mean? So, um, he was done, and then I I I was done in '92, and I left wrestling behind me. And um, I didn't watch it, I didn't think about it, I just left it behind me. Um, And I got a call in 1999, seven years later, and it's like, hey. And I knew this this person about nine years. And he goes, hey, I'm running a show in the West Westchester County Center. And I said, how'd you get the Westchester County Center? Only Vince gets that. He goes, don't worry about it. You want to work? I go, I haven't worked in seven years. It wouldn't be too good, you know. And I go, my timing would be off. I just haven't been in a ring in seven years. I said, just out of curiosity for, for giggles, I go, who was I working with? And he said, Bundy. I said, w- w- when is it? I'll be there. So I walked in the Westchester County Center, and there was Chris. And it was a, a very special night because I got to – Bruno was there. And I got to t- talk to Bruno for over an hour and, and spilled my guts to him um, because I wasn't able to do that when he was with the WWF as an announcer. I, he never had the kind of time. So there we were sitting all night in the dressing room. And I said, like, Bruno, can I talk to you? And he's like, yeah, man, see me. What's up? And I just said, I just spilled my guts. So he had tears in his eyes. And when I was done, he said, I wish you were my son. I said, Bruno, you were, you were my whole life. You were my whole life. Um, I said, when we're in Poughkeepsie in 84, you were talking, you and Vince were talking, and I was sitting behind, I was sitting behind you guys while you were standing, and your, your, the heel of your shoe touched my boot. I said, I ran down the hallway to use the payphone to call my brother to tell him your shoe hit my boot. You know, I said you were, I, I was in a battle royal in Boston, and I didn't know there was another dressing room. I had no idea. I just thought we were going in the battle royal with guys that were there, but there was another dressing room, and I didn't know. And nobody spoke about it. And I'm standing in the ring with SD Jones, and guys are coming up. Morocco's coming out, Valentine. All the guys are coming out. 
and all of a sudden Strongbow starts starts trotting down the center of the aisle with his headdress on. I said, oh, man, he's in his battle royal. I thought he was just the agent. And then I saw Keller Kowalski come down the aisle, and I went, holy jeez. And then Bobo Brazil came down, and and Bruno came down, and everybody was in the ring, and then the bell rang, and I stood in the corner. And SD started working on me, and I wasn't selling it. I was just staring at Bruno, and he, and he got me in a headlock, and he said, what are you doing? I said, Bruno's in the ring. He's in the ring. It, it's just, I, I'm in the ring with Bruno Simartino. He goes, so what? I go, so what? And then he headbutted me, and I had to sell that, because if I didn't sell SD's headbutt, you would have kicked the daylights out of me. So um, anyway, Bundy looks at me in 1999 and he goes, listen, move on the avalanche. And um, just cover me. I said, I'm not doing that. He goes, I owe you for what all you did for me when we were with Vince. This is your payback. I owe you. I said, Chris, I'm not doing that. He goes, why do you have to be such a hard head? I don't get it. Just move on the avalanche and cover me. I said, no. He goes, Mario, why? I go, because let's, 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 let's take away the friendship. Let's look at ourselves as comic book characters. Underdog doesn't go over on Superman. It just doesn't. He doesn't. I go, or Mighty Mouse, whatever I use. I go, it just doesn't happen. And I'm not doing it. I'm doing the job for you, period. Or I'm not going to work. He goes, you're a pain in the ass. I go, whatever. You're going over. So intermission comes. And I'm sitting there you know, talking to Appa and, and stuff like that. And Chris comes over and he goes, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, yeah, Chris, now what? He says, well, I went out there during the information. I go, yeah. I was pretty funny, too. I go, well, you're a funny guy, Chris. And he goes, uh, I signed a lot of autographs. I go, that's good, Chris. Did you make some money? He goes, yeah, of course. Yeah, good. Good, good. I go, and the reason why you're telling me this? And he stared at me. And I go, and I, and then I got it. I said, I'm the heel. Me. I'm the heel. He goes, well, you're the baby face and I'm the heel. Is that what you're saying? He goes, well, yeah. I said, okay. No problem. So he went out there as a baby face and I went out there and anytime I was a heel in my wrestling career, it, I, I, I mimicked Don Morocco. Um, because I think he was one of the greatest heels in the history of the business um, and cut the best promos in the history of the business. So I had that 10 minutes to two walk. My wrists and my fingers were taped, you know. Um, so I went out there as a heel, and, and, and Bundy grabs the microphone, and he goes, hey, man, Sandy, if I poke you in the stomach, will you go, ha, ah! ha, And I, went, I looked at him, like, I'm like, you son of a bitch. So we started working, and he leaned me over the top rope and put his hand up. I go, and I'm looking at him at this point, and I'm going, don't do it. You can't see my lips move, but I'm going, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Boom. I said, oh, you son of a bitch. And um, I gave him a couple stiff clotheslines because when you worked with Chris, he only took, you know, he took one bump. So you got him. You move from the, the corner, he staggers to the middle. You get one one clothesline, 
two clotheslines, then he bumps on the third clothesline. And I covered him, and he said, you stiff prick. And I went, I am a little rusty. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, I went to drop an elbow, and he moved. And, and, you know, he worked on me some more, and he threw me in the corner, gave me that avalanche. And uh, and uh, I bumped out, and, and, and uh, we were done. So um, I went back to the dressing room. He's like, what the hell happened to you? I said, I haven't worked in seven years. Give me a break. He goes, so one of my buddies went back there. I had him an all-access pass. He goes, Where's Mancini? Chris goes, I don't know who you're looking for, but that guy I worked with, that wasn't Mario. <laughs> and my buddy, my buddy, who's actually my partner at the law firm, he goes, Bundy said you sucked. I go, I probably did. I haven't worked in seven years. But um, we were supposed to see each other a couple of years ago in um, Freehold, New Jersey at a uh, convention, and he passed away a couple of months before that happened. And I just cried. I cried like a baby. Um, I cried like a baby. I mean, I love Chris. I loved him and he loved me and he, he was just a good guy, you know? And, and the thing I'm happy about the most then is this: when he said he was done, he said, that's okay. Because I still drive the same car I came into this territory with. I still live in the same house I came in this territory with. What he's trying to tell me is he saved every nickel. So um, I was happy for him for that. So, and, um, you know, he had a great wife, kids. He was just one of the boys, man. He was, he was, he was a good guy. He, he wouldn't tolerate any BS, you know. He, he, and he'd really get offended if he heard you were talking behind his back. Right. Was there, was there anybody that, uh, you, you liked to wrestle? I mean, guys that you, you know, I mean, you mentioned, uh, a couple guys that you didn't particularly like, but was there somebody that you, when you saw your name on the board with, you're like, all right, I'm glad I'm wrestling that guy. Uh, yeah, in fact, we'd be like little kids. Like, we got we to gotta sign the same seat on the bus, you know. <laughs> it's like DBOPSI uh, for sure. Uh, Bundy, um, Hercules Hernandez. Um, I love the work with Roma um, in house shows. Um, uh, Kurt Henning. Uh, I like the work the Heart Foundation. Um, uh, I didn't like working Adrian Adonis. I liked working with Jake. I loved working with Terry Funk and Harley Race. I loved working them because they both had the same attitude and they said the exact same thing to me. They said, boy, I'm going to tell you something. I beat somebody. I don't beat nobody. I He's got to be somebody. So you're going to have a lot to do out there. I don't care if it's TV. I don't care what they say up here. I need to beat somebody. And I'd say, that sounds great to me. And, um, you know, those guys were, were special when they came up from the South. So I like working with them. I love working with Valentine. Um 
you know, as I tell my students, the best feeling in the world is knowing that you're wrestling one of your good friends because you you know you're going to have a good match because you know there's there's emotions in the ring because you're friends you know what I mean rather than going in there you know I I even like working with Kamala you know I mean I love I love Kamala and George one man gang I like working with one man gang and um I, I just wish I could have worked with Piper one-on-one. I would have loved to do that. Um, but we, we, uh, I, I like to work with 90% of the people. Even our CD, when I, I was training him and they wanted me to bring him to TV and I said, he's not ready. And they go, Vince wants him. I said, you tell Vince he's not ready. And he said, well, can you get him through a TV, a TV? taping i said yeah he goes then bring them i said well what are you going to do with them after that i don't know we could wait three weeks and you can go back and train them some more but we need them for tv and i when you watch the match with our cd with me on um on youtube i called every single thing he did everything he called nothing i called Mm. every single thing that he did so, um, but I love Ted. Ted was another funny guy. I mean, really funny. Um, and he's a great guy, a great human being. He's a good guy. Um, so, like I said, there were, there were very few guys. That I, I think the worst feeling I ever had when, is when, and I think Patterson did it on purpose, when I looked up at the board and it said Brooklyn Brawler v. Mancini, and I, and I went up to Strongbow, I said, I'm not putting him over. I'm not putting him over. He goes, you're going to get canned. You know you're going to get canned. You'll never come back. I go, I'm not putting him over. And he goes, Martin, calm down. You just go out there and do what you got to do. I go, I, it's going to make me – I'm going to throw up in the ring. So I ended up going out there and – um <laughs> I wrapped them in a small package really hard. I connected my hands and I squeezed and I made the referee do a two and three quarter count before I let go. And he was upset. What are you doing? Upset. And um, I think that that was the, the, the one match in, in the whole time I was there. I didn't want to do and I dreaded and I hated every minute of it. Every second I was in that ring, I couldn't stand. So, um, that was about the only match. Wow. Well, you you covered you covered a lot of the guys from the the old school days. You touched on a, a lot of wrestlers. I was uh, not expecting you to to talk to us about, and so I really do appreciate you uh, doing that. Uh, is there anything that you'd like to plug tonight before we? Wrap this up. Do you want to talk well, about your we school? Got, we have Paradise Valley Pro Wrestling is at 662 Co Avenue in East Haven, Connecticut. Um, I'm there every Monday night if you want to walk through. I'm there by 630, ready to teach class. November 13th, we have Type 1 to None for Juvenile Diabetes. That's at the JCC. And then we wrap up, uh, I think it's December 18th, we wrap up uh, the year at the JCC, and then we, we were at the JCC steady through 2022. 
So um, that's that's what's on cap. Um, we're still feeling the effects of the loss of Big Jim Anderson. Um, I feel like every show we do from here on in, is, is in our hearts, is dedicated to him. Um, he was the little brother I never had, um, and uh, we were very, very close. I personally brought him into Paradise Alley, um, and we had a, a, a relationship similar to the relationship I had with Strongbow for 28 years, who ended up being my second father. Um in the wrestling business. So, you know, we, we were very close and we're still feeling the loss of big Jim Anderson. So, um, you know, we're, we're excited to have these shows and, and we have him in our hearts and in our memories when we, when we go and perform these shows. Right. Well, good. Yeah. I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought him up and, and there's a lot of names that, you know, several of the, the gentlemen that you did mention tonight are, are no longer with us, so it's it's good to uh, to think about them, you know. And uh, I know a lot of those guys, Bruno San Martino and King Kong Bundy, as you mentioned, uh, those were guys that you know I highly respected and and enjoyed watching. And so, um, yeah, it, it, it was good to go back down uh, memory lane for sure. Yeah, well, I have a lot. I have a lot of them. <laughs> Yes, you do. Well, thank you very much for your time tonight. Thank you very much for uh, coming on to our podcast. And uh, you know what? You are welcome to come on anytime. Anytime you like, uh, you want to talk about something, uh, I'd love to have you come back. So uh, keep that in mind, and, and we'll stay in touch. Very good. It was a pleasure talking to you, Vinny. Thank you. Yeah, it was a pleasure talking to you, too. You're listening to the Wrestleville Podcast, where wrestling lives. Do you remember Lance Von Erich from World Class Championship Wrestling? You can read all about his wrestling career in Portland, in Dallas, and overseas in his new book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. 25 chapters in all. You'll be surprised what you read. Go to LanceByChance.com.